this week's show. Ready for the Eliminator Clash against Chippenham, we hear from Dartford winger Calvin Kalala. Like everyone believes we can go up. we got a good group, like, I know we can do it. Celebrating promotion after winning the title, Maidstone United co-owner Oliver Ash looks forward to the future. The league is probably even tougher. Uh, there are more uh, former football league teams, and so we have to find a way of uh, trying to compete. The managerial merry-go-round is in full swing here in Kent. Jay Saunders is now the Tunbridge Angels manager. We hear from him. There's a new pitch going in. Location-wise, it's 15 minutes from my house. It, just everything felt right. And the man who's replaced Jay at Margate is Andy Drury. He's looking forward to the challenge at Hartsdown Park. Jay's done a good job there over the last couple of years. Um, to me now, to, uh, to kick it on another level. And two games left to go, but one of them's at Wembley. Romney boss Andy Woodman is looking forward to the showpiece. If we win at Wembley, then that's a, that's a fantastic result. And uh, that might appease, appease a few people, and it'll certainly make me happy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. If you thought the fact that most of our teams have finished their season would have made this a quiet week, well, you were very wrong. The makeup of this week's show has changed a lot, even the last 24 hours, and there's just loads of interviews for you to enjoy. I think it's five in the end, uh, and there were lots more people that we could have called up as well. Uh, mad, mad week. I'm John Phipps, who saw more than 14% of the goals I've seen this season on Saturday, and on the line now, of course, is the man who has been adamant for weeks that haven't and Waterlooville will be the team to beat in the National League South playoffs. It's Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Very good. Yes, I was bigging them up and they've absolutely bulged it up. So I did say, I looked at their squad earlier and I texted it to my mate, a Dover fan, and he said they are underachieved. So next season, they'll probably be really, really good, which we don't want in the Conference South. But um, yes, Chippenham, I, I, I did a bit of thing. We'll talk about Chippenham later. They sacked their manager about three weeks ago. And still getting the playoffs, and I'm beaten under the new manager. I didn't know that. No, it's very strange. Uh, it, I mean, I, I was obviously following the results because I was I was watching the Eastbourne game against Dartford, so I was working out the permutations, who was playing who, and it was almost like, and we'll talk again, we'll talk about it later. But it's almost like Chippenham were already playing the knockout game that they've gone and won. So it's it's going to be very very interesting. If they but, get you know, promoted from there, winning every single game away, well, basically they should, well, they deserve to be promoted. But apparently the bloke left. Well, they, he resigned because he was slagging off the budget for next season. So Chippenham could be in the National League and probably get worse than one point if they got promoted. Let's not get carried away. Yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. I mean, if they get promoted, surely they'll work some more with the budget anyway. Uh, how's, how's your week been, all right? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good. Uh, weather's been good. I haven't really been up too, haven't been too much. What did I do? Saturday I went to football. Sunday we had a trip out at a picnic in Seven Oaks, which was uh, with my parents-in-law. Um yeah, just sort of chillaxing and um, yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing to it. Again, waiting for football to finish, sun to come out, and then to enjoy the summer over the next few weeks. That's it, really. No, yeah, nothing excited, working stuff like that. So, yourself, busy, busy, busy. Yeah, busy, busy. Not, uh, I'm not packed out at the B and B at the moment. We get a lot of people on their own at the moment, which is is quite nice, really, because you you have to do, you know, you get almost as much money and and after breakfast. So, what what, 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 are, what are these people doing on their own in Eastbourne? Just just come for a getaway, you know. They just want to get out and 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 see the see the yeah, seaside. Yeah. So Did you go on holiday uh, on your own? Oh, I guess so. I went to I went to Hong Kong and Australia on my own. I mean, I, I met friends out there, but you know, yeah. I, I, if if I didn't have anyone to go with, yeah, of course I would. W- would you? Um, I get bored with my own company, so it'd be t- yeah, well, I probably would. I've been to the cinema a few times on my own. The wife well, thinks it's weird. 
Well, that's, that's that's not weird at all because like the cinema is a place you should go on your own because it's not as if you can chat to anyone, is it? Like it's a terrible place to go on a date, go to the cinema because you're just literally sp- spending two hours sat next to someone not talking to them. That sounds like married life, mate. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> Very, very true. Uh, it's our 215th episode this week. And when I put that into a search engine, a load of restaurants popped up, actually. There's one in Hackney called 215, uh, imaginatively because it's at number 215. Uh, and then the third search result was for a stonking Greek restaurant here in Eastbourne because that's at numbers 215 to 217. I also found a song by Brian Dirksen featuring Steve Bell, Carolyn Ahrens and other artists. Was it going to be rap, rock, cheesy pop, expletive-laden nonsense? Uh, no, uh, I watched the video and early on this text flashed up. In late May of 2021, the remains of 215 children were found at the site of the Kamloops Indian Residential School in British Columbia that closed in 1978. Schools like this one were run by the church on behalf of the government across Canada. The number of unmarked graves of residential school sites continues to grow and has reached the thousands. So as you can imagine, that cheered me right up. And okay. the song, unsurprisingly, was pretty melancholy as well. Uh, 215 is also the area code for Philadelphia uh, on More Cheerful News, a city that I vi- visited for a day nine years ago this month just to go up the rocky steps. And do you know what? It was worth it. How, how tall are the rocky steps? How many steps are the rocky steps? No, standard standard amount of steps, I suppose. 20, 30, uh, something like that. Was there everybody else running up going... Pretty much, yeah. Where does it lead to, those steps? It leads to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. That's 72 stone steps, apparently. I've just found out for you. Is that one where the kids are chasing him? Yeah, they feature in loads of the films because they're in the first one Uh, then they're in the third one because the statue gets launched at the foot of the steps and and in in real life the statue is just around the corner from the steps because i also saw the statue uh at at the steps and And that that statue of sylvester stallone is it yes it is yes statue of of sylvester stallone as rocky yeah i'd say is he from philadelphia Uh, i don't know but Rocky's from Philadelphia. Oh, I say, yeah, yeah. Is that the greatest sporting film of all time? It's got to be up there, isn't it? But yeah, it's probably better than Escape to Victory. I can't think of any other other, other sporting films. Field of Dreams and stuff like that. Yeah, um, baseball one. Yeah, again, um, I'm more, I like sport documentaries rather than sport films because it always looks a bit naff, doesn't it? But I do yeah. like if Escape to Victory was on, I'd watch it. Yeah. Just to see Pele and Kevin and John Walk act. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be great if they remade Escape to Victory now? What players would you have in it? Well, probably none of them because they'd all want too much money and their and their agents wouldn't let them play and and the team wouldn't let them play. Danny Dyer probably. Yeah, yeah. but he was in that uh, meme machine, wasn't he, with Vinnie Jones? Oh, right, yeah, I've never seen that. I suppose Vinnie Jones would be Vinnie Jones could probably play Michael Caine, couldn't he? Yeah, widely panned that film, but actually I quite enjoy it. I think it's quite good. It's quite a, uh, it's quite an inter- entertaining little film. But yeah, Rocky's got to be the greatest sports film of all time. It's it's brilliant. I I, I love Rocky, uh, and I, and I like the the Creed ones that have come out as well. So uh, fair play. Yeah, exactly. Anybody else? There is there is. I think there is somebody used to work for Radio Ken. We used to. He has got his own sports film podcast. So, um, so there must be plenty of the ones out like the Mighty Ducks and things like that. You know, the American ones and. By basketball things like that but what yeah what's what's the best i remember watching the uh that sean bean film when he was that striker that was nice. when saturday comes yeah yeah yeah. and then, then there was that then there was that Brazil newcastle one when he played for the striker goal goal that's it yeah, yeah but it's amazing yeah but there's never been a never been a cricket film is there uh, 
that's a bend it like Beckham. You could put that up there as yeah, well. Yeah, that's, so, that's so, good so, film. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Yeah, there's probably there probably is, but I yeah, I'd rather watch a documentary rather than a film about football. So oh yeah, again. Okay. The problem is, is as good as all these films are, the depiction of football in yeah, yeah. films and on TV is always, always appalling, isn't it? Like it's, yeah. it's so unrealistic. They can't just, you know, do anything that where it just looks like a natural game of football. Uh it's it's insane. Yeah, I wonder yeah, yeah, what's the yeah, with always, always, there's always a really bad challenge, foul, well, sliding challenge, which takes about, and he goes past about four players when people go sliding in. Yeah, so, but I, was, but I take it, yeah, that's that's probably true. But there's never been a a great football film. I the um the football one that Nick Hornby did, that's quite good with Colin Firth. Fever Pitch. Now I've got a story Fever about Fever Pitch actually, uh, yeah. because there's a scene uh, where there's some school kids in the background. Right. Is that you? It's not me, but it's people from my school. How come you didn't get selected then? wasn't very good at football. Uh, all right, okay, all right. So did you, did you be there when they were filming it? No, I wasn't. It wasn't done at our school. It was done somewhere else, but our school were the, were the players. All right. Yeah. Uh, talking of this very quickly, and we will move on with the show because we've got so much to get through. Um, talking about bad depictions of, of football in film. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw this thing I retweeted uh, a few weeks ago about an, an American author trying to write about a couple watching a game of football. Um, it is brilliant. These are just some of the lines in it. The game began and the crowd went wild. Look, he's starting with a bicycle kick, Mark crowed. It was a frenzied, exciting game. The goalies for both teams fought hard to keep their opponents from scoring. It was difficult for Kelly to concentrate. In the middle of play, Mark exclaimed, Gavu's going for a flick kick. He made it. A few minutes later, Mark said, Watch, Carrier's going to be fined for handling the ball. And he was right. I challenge you to get some of that in your commentary on Sunday. (laughs) A flick kick. It's going to flick kick. Yeah, flick. Well, I've tried to get the word flick kick in in commentary. Yeah, so uh, the classic that will be the biggest game. Forget about Wrexham v Stockport next week. Surprise, it's not live on BT Sport, mate. It's that big. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's get on with the show then. Let's begin with some football that is still to come. It's not Dover. Dartford 7-2 win over Eastbourne Bar on Saturday was not enough for them to overhaul Ebbsfleet. It means they stay in fourth place, so they will face an eliminator or a clash with Chippenham Town on Thursday night, with the winners heading to Ebbsfleet on Sunday. After the game at Eastbourne last weekend, which was quite incredible, I may add, I spoke to Calvin Kalala, who netted two goals in very quick succession. Yeah, I think... It's not a bad thing, but we all prefer like finish it like third and play the semi-final straight away because we see like a few games left. So yeah, we don't everything we done everything we could today, but all the result is not in your hand. We just have to win today and see what's going to happen for the other result. At three-one at half time, we thought the next goal was would be crucial, and then within five minutes, you're six-one up. That was incredible. Yeah, I think we came we came out with the change from like as a as a group like really different. Like we just came in on, coming on and just do what we had to do, and we scored like a few goals in like ten minutes. So yeah, it's pretty good. But that's what we need to going up and feel confidence. We made it about twenty seconds of play between your two goals. Have you ever done anything like that before? Uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, both quite similar goals as well, arriving late at the back post and, and sticking it in. Yeah, yeah. That's what the, the the managers and staff tell me to do. Just be aware and looking at the second ball because 
obviously today well, that's what happened like you there the ball come to you and you just score and I score two goals like this so it's actually good potentially three games away from promotion I'm guessing after winning 7-2 away from home the belief is that you're going to do this yeah everyone believe we can do it like everyone believe we can go up me the first we got a good group like I know we can do it but obviously like we need to play games and we need to do well and because it's not like saying like we we can do it and we come on the pitch and doing nothing because playoffs is different it's different everything is different about the playoffs so it's one game if you win you're out if you win you're in if you lose you're out so we just have to do everything we can to keep in the playoff go to the final and win these games do, do you like the pressure of it being a, a one-off game me I, I like everything i don't mind anything promise you uh, and just finally, a couple of hundred Dartford fans here today, they, they made a great noise and, and it'd be lovely to get, get promotion for them. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. They're really loud, even at home and away, so it's good to fill them all the time with us. doesn't matter where we're playing. So it's actually good. I like it. I really like it. Well, it's the first time I'd seen him in action, Matt, and, and I've got to say, I was impressed. Very direct, running towards yeah. goal, physical presence, quick, a Gerrard type of player. I would say. And he's not too fussed about that extra game he's side and have to play either by the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah. it's Yeah, I quite liked him when he put on a storm a couple of weeks ago. He was he was a threat. And what I like about him, as soon as he got the white wide, he was whipping the ball in. He wasn't dilly-dallying, trying to, you know, try and take the fullback out a few times. We get the ball in to people to thrive on. And Dartford, interesting, 13 away goals in the next, in the last... Um, two away games and if they're going to get get promoted they're going to have to win at least two out of those well they're going to have to win two out of three games away from home interesting why away from home they're they're scoring for fun and struggling at home a little bit were Eastbourne woeful or Dartford just blew them out of the park it was never there were never five goals between the two teams never ever um, it, it was it was just a, a bonkers game of football to me I mean, Dartford scored early then were pegged back by a wonderful goal by, uh, by Charlie Kendall for Eastbourne Borough uh, and then Eastbourne were, were, were on top. And then all of a sudden, out, out of nowhere, a superb second goal for Dartford. Uh, volley across the goalkeeper and in. Then it was 3-1 with a header in as well. And at half-time, it was like, well, it's 3-1. You know, Dartford have had a bit of the rub of the green. And, and I remember chatting to Matt Easy in commentary. And he said, what do you think the half-time team talks were? And I was like, well, for Dartford, it's like, if you get the next goal, you win this game. And then within six minutes, I think they were 6-1 up. You know, and it was just, it was amazing. And, and Lee Wargan was absolutely furious about what was going on in front of him. And But there was nothing he could have done about any of the goals. And, and it was just, you, you just couldn't explain it. They just found it so easy to open them up uh, and go through but and, and score these goals. But I didn't think Eastbourne were any way five goals worse than Dartford. Um, but obviously they, they were on the score sheet. So it was, um, it, it was a fascinating game of football. They've got some firepower, though, Dartford, haven't they? I think Dan Roberts came back. He's been out of favour majority of the season. How, I know he scored. How did he look? Yeah, he, looked, he, he played sort of wide left uh, for most of it. Um, I thought he played quite well. And then had down the middle, Dinanga. Uh, his, his first goal, Dinanga, where he got across the goalkeeper. And, I mean, it's a... Matt Easy said it was a bit like Jeff Hurst's goal in the World Cup final, and it was. I mean, he, he just hit it brilliantly into the top corner. Walken didn't stand a chance. And he, you know, he looked like an a, an excellent player. And as you say, the firepower that they have got up front is is frightening. And and I suppose Steve King is, is pulling his very well-coiffered hair out at the fact that they didn't beat Braintree on, on 
uh, the Monday the other week because if they'd won that game, they'd have finished third and they wouldn't be playing uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, uh, again, I, I think they've probably got enough firepower. The thing is, will he keep the same side that scored seven or will he change? Because he has got a does like changing the side around a little bit, which may affect him in some ways. But of course, the form that chipping them in, as I mentioned earlier, I think since they sacked the manager, they've won five out of six. They're decent away from home. And they're right. Dartford haven't beaten them. The record against the top sides, apart from Maidstone and Dorking, isn't bad. They, they haven't really lost them any games. They drew a lot of games. And it's, it's a strange thing with their, look at their positions in the league. When I've looked at their experience, they beat all the sides in the middle of the table, lose to the bottom, and do all right at the top as well. So it's a strange one. You would have thought on paper, if Dartford can get the first goal, it, it's game over. Because, of course, everybody in a Kent point of view wants um, want it to be on Sunday. Absolutely against Dartford, which will be an absolutely huge game for um, uh, for Kevin football. Yeah, it certainly will. And, and and I mean, Steve King made a lot of changes uh, for the game on Saturday at Eastbourne, and I'm sure he'll be hoping he, he may look to make changes again because you know some of the players that weren't on in that starting eleven they could call on on the bench. I mean, Adi Aziz didn't even get on. Uh, that's you know, and, and he's obviously a threat as well. Uh, Greenwich came on and looked a real handful. So that there's options for Steve King. And one thing I will say uh, is I was very, very impressed, as well as Kalala, who I thought was excellent. But Samir Carruthers in midfield, he's a player as well, isn't he? Cool. Yeah, he, 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 he can pick a pass. He, watch them. They, again, they've got some, they've got some good players, Dartford. And on, on paper, I'm sure if they got promoted, um, they, they, you know the squad he's got, Steve King's got it. it they've got a chance. Uh, but I think if they've got through against Ebsley, it's a fag paper between them, isn't it? Really? Who's going to get through? Who can handle the pressure? You know, Darfur could lose to Chippenham. This is totally irrelevant, but I think they'll beat Chippenham. But I've got no idea who will win the big game between the two of them there. Ebsley at home doesn't really make a difference because I'm sure there'll be you know plenty of Darford fans there as well. It would just be a, a fantastic event. Yes, it certainly will. Ebsley secured their third spot with a 2-1 win over Chelmsford City. Uh, well, there was defeat for Welling at Concord Rangers and the party at Maidstone United ended with a victory and some wonderful scenes with a guard of honour for the retiring George Ellicobi and, of course, the trophy being lifted. Hampton Richmond beaten 2-1 at the Gallagher and by all accounts were lovely guests for the final day party. After the champagne had gone flat, Matt spoke to co-owner Oliver Ash on Monday. It's a, it's a great feeling, yeah. And uh, as we always say, you've got to enjoy the good times because there are plenty of bad times where, when you suffer. So, yeah, we're, we're, I think we all enjoyed the good times uh, yesterday as, as, as we did um, on uh, whenever it was the Saturday before <laughs> when the title was clinched. And uh, everybody that I saw on Saturday out at the ground seemed to be in seventh heaven. So they, these are good times. Yeah, I say, yeah, you've got to take the, the good moments when they come. There may be not clubs bigger than Maystone United in the National League South, but there's arguably sides with bigger budgets. So, you know, the expectations, what was it at the start of the season? Well, at the start of the season, we targeted uh, the playoffs. Um, nothing more ambitious than that. I was hoping that we would be able to get into the top three or four. Um, because we estimated that we had a budget that was probably fifth or sixth in the division and that therefore we would hope to get more than that, better than that in the final count. But to have clinched the title with two matches to go um, in the style and way that we did it was beyond our wildest expectations. And I think that the fans and, and perhaps the team as well, although the team have got the supreme confidence, the fans bought into the idea that we could we could win the title as the weeks went on and we, we went on that long run 
um, of winning games and, and I think we only lost a couple in the last 25 games uh, an extraordinary run everybody started to believe it and that um, the shock uh, as a result of actually winning the title sort of became delirious happiness uh, in, the, in the yesterday or the day before when we actually finished the final game so yeah it's been a it's been a, a wonderful surprise really to get to get to the title and to see how Hakan has galvanized the team and, and um, turned you know the, the, these good players into into title winners yeah, you're talking about the manager there you know I would say he's a character when he comes across when you interview him you know he's, he's, he's probably a character that you don't want to get the wrong side off, but if if you work hard for him, he's going to put his arm around you and you know really work hard with the players, isn't he? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think he and uh, Terry Harris, uh, his assistant, worked out after we went through that bad run when I think we last spoke, uh, and they worked out that the, the best way to get out of that was for the players to work harder. And they, you know, if you if you drop off five percent uh, at a sort of professional level from your you know your your absolute best you will lose matches you have to be pushing to the very limits of, of 100% this is true in, in, in my rugby club as well we see it when the players are just off a little bit you, you lose matches that you'll otherwise win and the players I think they, they bought into that um, theory uh, or that demand uh, they had to because I think Hakan said look if you don't pick up your performances and run more and work harder you'll be out of the team and that was demonstrated for the first time when we went to play away at Ebbsfleet and the players harried and pressed and pushed and challenged and Ebbsfleet, who are a good footballing side, didn't have any time to play the ball and we just shook them off their game and that was the beginning for me, the, the trigger for this run and, and the belief has grown uh, and, and that's based on hard work. Hakan always says, if you, he says, hard work, working hard is hard work, which is... Um, a wonderful phrase, but it actually makes sense and the players bought into it and that's why we won the title. Uh, one of the things I think is probably your support as well, 4,000 on Saturday, once you get the supporters on side and they believe as well, because looking in from the outside, that the the link between the club and the supporters, which may necessarily have been there when you got relegated, is back and that is oh so crucial, isn't it? You're absolutely right, yeah, and uh, it is back and it sort of grew during that difficult period and, and, and the, when we came out of it started winning matches and I think the, the, the fans have, have um, sort of come back and have uh, enjoyed all this because they can see that the players there is a genuine bond amongst the players it's a great group of players and you, you really do get the feeling that it's, it's a group of pals on a you know out on holiday um, and, and they just love being together and playing together and working for each other and when the fans see that, they, they really buy into it. And the, and the players are, are also give the impression that they are fans, that they would, they would love nothing more than to watch a game in and amongst the fans in the Jenko end. Uh, win or lose, they've been celebrating and just having fun in front of the fans. And that's been a wonderful uh, impetus to keep us going. Again, I suppose your hard work starts now. It's you know, 48 hours after you picked up the trophy. Um, does the planning start for National League now? Does there need to be ground up? You know, you've got a lovely ground. Does there need to be changes to the ground? I presume the money aspect, again, football's all about money. There'll have to be investment to get to compete in the National League on and off the field. Well, as you say, we'll, we're sort of turning our thoughts to that now. Uh, 
in the cold light of a Monday morning. Yes, we want to be more competitive and, and wiser if we can than we were last time we got promoted in 2016. Uh, although, we, to be honest, we, we, we did pretty well for the first mm. couple of seasons before the, the wheels came off. We we'd actually did quite well and there were some very good performances and we had some we had a very good team that was put together by Jay Saunders. It was a, there were some very good players, Zavon Hines, Joe Pigger. Um, so this time round, the league is probably even tougher. Uh, there are more uh, former football league teams. And so we have to find a way of uh, trying to compete with uh, an increased budget. But as you know, we don't have any form of uh, operation, sort of financial operation that generates money from anywhere else than the, the, the ongoing revenues in the club. So we have to find ways of generating more money in the commercial operations, in, in gate receipts and all, all of these these ways. Uh, and if we if we do that, we probably need to find a, another quarter of a million um, to put into the playing budget, which we will try and do to have a playing budget that's somewhere in the, you know, not far off the average of the league. And then if we have a special group again and, and Hakan continues to uh, outperform, we have a chance of finishing in the top half, and I think that would be a, a wonderful target, um, which which will be would would be as a target our best achievement uh, in the National League since since we came back to the Gallagher Stadium. So, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Just turning to your question about the stadium, it's really linked because it's all a question of money, and, and we don't have money in the pot to say well we're going to we're going to do this that and the other we've got some things we have to do to comply with the up-to-date ground grading regulations for a grade uh, and we're going to have to do those so we're finding the, the means to do that small things but um, for example moving the camera gantry to the other side of the ground uh, we've got to improve our security control area things like that so we're going to have to do those that any further expansion of the stadium which we would like to do to add comfort and space uh, hoping that we continue to get good crowds that will have to wait uh, until we find new sources of revenue and also i don't, I don't want to go back to the dark old days of when you were relegated do you think you as a board would have learned from those mistakes as well well, well we hope so um, you certainly gain experience whatever happens in life as you get older so you don't always work you don't always realise why it's not like you've been on some sort of management course <laughs> you know, the, the, somewhere up at the FA how to avoid relegation <laughs> second time round it's nothing like that it's more you do just get more experience as you get grey hairs or no hairs in my case <laughs> so you get more experience and you you know you try and you know, you've been there before you've seen things you, you, you just perhaps you know, somehow you're a little bit wiser. It, it, we, we don't we don't really have a board anyway. People talk about a board. It, it always amuses me that, that people imagine that clubs at our level have a board, and some probably do because they're probably even better run than we are. But we we tend to just uh, with Bill and Terry, we'll 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 talk things over and try and find answers with all our uh, advisors and, and volunteers and find answers to the to, to the to the questions as they arise. But but we'll we'll. Um, We'll do our level best with a bit more experience and hopefully uh, with this excellent playing staff and playing squad. You see, we've, we've already signed up, I think, seven players from this group for next season. And in previous years, it's never been that much. Yeah. Cause, you, you know, national level, national league level, there are very few contracts that are more than one year. Um, but this season, we've, we've just taken that gamble of signing up players and, and we've, you know, no doubt we'll be looking to sign several more of this 
squad to mean that we go forward with the core of this really good group of players and management and we add three or four or five quality players onto that so that will be the target that will be the plan um, also last time we spoke was about the, the funding issue over the pandemic um, does your promotion feel you're vindicated for um, you know the disappointment you didn't get the extra money that other clubs did do you still vindicated but I presume you're still carrying on that campaign to, to look into that issue yeah the two things are very separate I mean we've we've, um, we've, we've had to operate with probably what we reckon is about £100,000 less than we, we, we should have got had the distribution been done fairly. Um, so that still rankles. I think with Terry and I, we, we bear grudges when when there are injustices and, and that still rankles. But So independently of that, we've, we've um, had a successful season on the field and uh, we just had to trim our budgets accordingly. Have we, have we forgotten it? No, we haven't. And, and the, the thing is that the, the same people are still running the National League uh, Do you have more of a say now? You're on that main board with the more votes. Yes. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we we'll have to see as the AGM. Uh, there'll be spaces on the board. There'll be a discussion, and yeah, we'll see. But it's disappointing that after all the things that went wrong, and, and if we look back uh, about a year, there was a, a vote of no confidence in the in the league. Where, if you remember, uh, two thirds of the clubs yeah. roughly said they had no confidence in the league board and, and because most of the national clubs had a bigger vote, the, the, the National League put out a press statement after saying that, 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 that it was a victory for them. So when you're up against this sort of nonsense, uh, you, have to keep, you have to keep fighting against it. And we've always, we've always wanted to do that, to, to, to sort of try and do things in the right way and fight for things that are causes worth, worth fighting for. So we're certainly not going to we're not going quietly. We're aware that there's a, a documentary being filmed at the moment about um, about the season of COVID and when the, the, the league mismanaged so much. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing that in due course when that comes out. So, yeah, that, that continues. But, look, we've got to adapt to the, to the National League. I, we were talking with all the supporters on uh, Saturday after the game and uh, everybody's very excited and, and really looking forward to the challenges of playing against some of these wonderful teams that we'll find up in the National League now and just really enjoying it and, and appreciating it perhaps more than we did the first time the first time it was it almost came so quickly that in retrospect did we really understand how privileged we were to play against uh, some of these some of these clubs and battle it out with the the, the big boys of, of the National League as it were so yeah that's that's the that's the challenge and everyone's really looking forward to it uh, final question um there's other Kent sides who could get promoted, Dartford and Ebsley. Would you love to see them? I know you're quite close to Dorking as well, who arguably probably be the favourites to go up. But from a Kent point of view, um, do you think you w- would you like Dartford and Ebsley to join you? Um, that's a very difficult question to answer. I'm just thinking: should I answer it politically, or should I just answer it from the heart? Um, well, the, the answer is I don't really mind who goes up, but yeah, we we have a particularly close relationship with with Dorking. Uh, I get on very well with Mark White, who's a, a real character, and, and I respect and admire what he's done for his club. So, although I've got no no uh, antipathy at all against uh, any of the other clubs, then I, I think I would prefer if Dorking go up. But if it's another Kent side, well, it's all good for Kent football, and goodness knows we we need stronger clubs in the you know as high up the the football league and the national league as we can. So, 
So why not? Yeah, why not have uh, Epstein or Dart for that there as well? That would be great for Kent football. Uh, on good form as always there, Matt. And even with the fire alarm test at the end, I had to leave that final answer in. But a fantastic season for them. You've got to be delighted for him, Terry Casey, and everybody else at the Gallagher Stadium, haven't you? Uh, I, I think um, Oliver, is a, you know, as I said, he's been very supportive of the show. Um, he's done a fantastic job. You know, the issues they had, and we mentioned in there about the, the funding. Um, I think he's acted pretty well within that as well, wasn't you know, I think he, he's a measured approach for that. And he's been rewarded because I think, you know, back in, they say, people said October, November, they were struggling a little bit. When I went to see them, you know, the fans weren't particularly happy, but results improved. They could have pulled the trigger. Maybe if they hadn't beaten that Epstein the day after that, or the game after I was there, maybe they would have pulled the trigger. But I think they've learned from the mistakes from before when they were in the National League, when they went through the managers and the poor managerial appointments. Um, and now they can grow, and we will interesting to see how they get on next season. I, I think the biggest thing, advantage they've got is they is that they've got two to three and a half thousand people there every week. The linkage between the fans and the club is great to see. I, I presume they will lose players, but they'll bring new players in. The king is dead, not the king in those situations, um, and I'm sure they've got enough um, in the locker to finish at least for fifth and bottom to stay up. And uh, and that'll be an achievement. And then they can, they can grow. And as we said before, there's only one, in my opinion, there's only one way that um, Kent can get another football league club, and that will be Maidstone. I think they're the only ones who will be able to support it um, with the support base and, and cope with that. And I think they, they've got a chance. Maybe the next, and all they want to do is, a bit like, you know, go back to my Dover. Dover, this is the eighth season in the National League. Just get a, get a good five, six, seven years in that division, build it up and become a threat. So that's that's the charge now. They're probably in their level I think they can support and they've just got to make sure they stay there, which I think it won't be a problem. No, I, I suppose the, the question is, where do you think they need to improve? Where, where can they bring players in? Because their strikers have scored goals, you know, and, and Luque and, and Barham and, and, and the likes of that. They should be able to trans- transfer that into the National League. At the back, they're solid. They're going to need, obviously, a, a sort of new figurehead, I suppose, with Ella Kobe's retirement and everything like that. But they've got good players throughout their team. So I, I guess it's one of those where you look at it and think, well, where can they actively improve that squad? It- it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who comes in through the door, isn't it? Yeah, I, I-, I think um, I quite like Jack Barham. I think he's a good player. Um, I liked him when he was in the National League. Hasn't been proven in that level, but I'm sure he will can be given the opportunity. I know Luke's got a bit of a nasty injury. He could be out for a while, isn't he? So that creativeness, that flair player, um, they may have to try and replace him in some ways. And, and Ella Kobe being the leader, in not necessarily on the pitch, but in the dressing room, uh, a rock at the back. We've got Joe Alou, you know, who likes heads and kicks it all day. He's that kind of warrior defender. I think there may be Another defender could be a key defender because, you know, you will, going into the National League, you will come up against, could be strikers that have cost £300,000 on seven grand a week. So you just need that extra quality. But Maystone will be very, very attractive to players coming out of the league, I would have thought, because of the gates they get and what they can deliver. And I'm sure, but from what Oliver said there, they're not going to be spending mega money to do that. But I think if you if you believe in the Maidstone I hate to say it, projects, um, 
I'm sure they could be successful. So, well, Maidstone fans, um, as it was like a great season, I think they won 15 home games on the spin or something ridiculous like that. I think Maidstone fans, I'm sure a lot of them are not expecting them to be challenging at the top of the table. Just got to stick with the team. They might have a bad runs again. Stick with them because you know you can get out of it. And the quality of the squad. And fair play to Hakan Retin. Um, uh, he's done a very good job. Um, and you look at his CV. He's been involved with teams that win the leagues. And so, you know, you have to you have to admire him from there. Did I think they were going to get promoted under him? No. But um, I'm eating my words and fair play to him. And uh, um, fantastic achievement. And good luck to him. And I expect them to be in the National League for a long time. And, and just finally, on Oliver Ash there and Terry Casey, they've done a phenomenal job uh, with their stewardship of Maidstone United. And they've got their heads screwed on because, as he said there, you know, we're not going to do anything unless we get significant outside investment. And and he, they're not going to overstretch themselves because this club has, has been through the ringer before, you know, 30, what, 33 years ago, they're in the Football League and then had to start again right down the bottom of the pyramid. And they're not going to endanger the, the, the future of the club to, to achieve their aims. Uh, but I think that, you know, the, the job that they've done there is, is, is phenomenal. And if every club chairman was like those two, I think everyone would be all right, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, again, they've learnt from the mistakes of what they made three years ago when they come out of it. Maybe the some ways the COVID thing where they were struggling a little bit when COVID finished as well. It just maybe made them look at look at the club, what they can do a little bit better. And the key, key thing is they've got the supporters on track. Now, you see the videos, constant videos that they're putting out for supporters. There's a real love for the club. And, and that is half the battle. If you can get that back, you can be successful. And, and again, they'll have dark days, I'm sure, next season, but they'll have some great days with some big clubs coming and uh, the Gallagher will be absolutely rocking for a number of games next season with absolute plenty more 4,000 gates, I'm sure, next season. Could even beat yeah. Gillingham's gates as well at some point, couldn't they? I would imagine so. There's, there's got to be a chance of that. And, and then, you know, they're really looking in the right direction, but uh, we shall see what happens. We've left Tunbridge Angels uh, to last as the managerial merry-go-round almost spun so hard in the week it could have flown away. Uh, as we discussed last week in our little addition to the show, Steve McKim was let go by the club after eight years in charge and Tom Parkinson took charge of their game on Saturday. A 3-2 win at St Albans. Among the crowd that afternoon was Margate boss Jay Saunders. And as you're about to hear, after interview on Monday, Margate boss Jay Saunders became Tumbridge Angels boss Jay Saunders. Uh, a good, solid appointment for the National League Southside. And earlier on today, Matt spoke to the new Tumbridge Angels boss. Oh, no, to be honest, it was a bit of well, and it's been it's obviously difficult, Mac, as someone I've played with for a long time. But um, basically, Tumbridge approached Margate to speak to me. Obviously, I wasn't on contract at, at Margate, and they kind of approached Margate, said, could they speak to me? I think that was Thursday, Friday, um, around that time. Um, Margate were brilliant. Ricky Owen rung me, the chairman there, and just kind of said the situation. I, I kind of said to him, I feel that I needed to have that have that conversation with them, have the interview. Um, so I went along and watched them on Saturday. And then at the, at the interview yesterday morning, I know they were they were talking to a few others and it was kind of one of those where I had the interview and you, you never know. And I thought I'd be waiting a day or two to hear something. And, and yeah, then got the call back a couple of hours later and said that um, offering me the job. So yeah, delighted. It has happened very quickly. And as you can imagine, the phone hasn't stopped. Yeah. Okay. Interesting point. Is it is a football manager job interview like a normal interview as well? Do you have to sort of show your strengths and weaknesses or what? Do you know what? It's the first interview I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I um, for work as well. So it's a bit of a strange one. Um, yeah, you get asked a lot of questions. What, what how you see things, players, and 
your, your history and everything. And, and obviously, I sat there and went through obviously um, the things at Maidstone, Margate, and, and kind of what I feel I could offer the club. Um, so yeah, it was it was a it was a new experience for me, and I think to a degree, it's probably a new experience for Tunbridge. They've had Macca there such a long time yeah. that um, it's not something they've done regularly. So. I think mean, it's a new experience for both, but I like to think, obviously, I came across well, and um, thankfully I was offered the job, and it's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Before we get on to Tunbridge, um, a word about Margate. Margate, we said on the pod before, there's sort of um, two steps towards, one step back in the terms of the ground, but you sort of had a good season last year, and we were sort of tipping them to do quite well next season. Was it a tough decision to leave them, or is it the higher level of football and full-time sort of swung it in the end? Yeah, do you know what? It's, it's really tough for me, Um Everyone knows, I think I played nearly 400 games for them. Um, going back there as a manager, they've been great with me, the supporters, I've got a great relationship with supporters there. Um, and, I, and it was a really tough decision uh, when they made the approach. I did say to Ricky, like, I, this isn't an easy easy decision. I think the fact of missing... I mean, when I went to Margate, obviously dropping down from the National League with Mason, I kind of... The idea was, like, OK, let's try and build them up, try and jump up the league with, with, with Margate. Um but I always wanted to get back to a higher level. And obviously then we had COVID and I lost two seasons there. So this was actually, although I've been there like three years, this was our first full season. We, we finished eighth cup final, first cup final for 24 years. Um, and and so for me, it was a, it was a yeah, it, it was a big wrench to leave. But at the same time, I, I feel that I've left the club in a better position. I mean, when I went in there, they were full from bottom. Um, we built a completely new squad and we left them in a, in a good position. And I'm sure Andy Jory goes in there in a better position than when I left and I think I can go out holding my head high and, and I've had lovely messages from the supporters and, and the club and, and everything so it's someone that, that will go back there pre-season and I'll, I'll look forward to seeing everyone and probably saying bye to them sort of thing but it's a, it's a club that always have a big place uh, in my life it's played a big part yeah, Tommy Jagels though um, 3G going in um, good crowds there um, new sort of board coming in as well what what, what? Is it attracted to the attracted to the job? You think they can be competitive in the Conference South next season? I, I think so. Yeah, I, look, I always you always back your own ability. Um, I'm someone in, I'm confident I can go in. And Mac has done a good job there. I like let's, let's get that straight first and foremost. He's, he's done a he's done a brilliant job there. Um, Have you spoken to Steve McKim? Yeah, yeah. He was to be honest as the club approached, I rang him straight away because I say I played with him, I, I mates with him, so I rang him straight away to say, look, they've been approaching him, speak to him. When I got off the job yesterday, he was the first person I rang and just said, look, Macca, I just want to let you know, and he, he was great and spoke highly in the club. Um, and I think um, it's just, yeah, I know I back myself to be able to go in there and do stuff. It's, it's obviously with a new pitch going in. Location-wise, it's 15 minutes from my house. It, it just everything felt right. I, I mean, in the past, there's been. It never come out, but when I was at Margate, there's been two or three clubs that have approached the club to speak to me, and they never felt right. Um, was that in Kent or outside Kent? Yeah, in Kent um, and, and outside. And but this was the first club that I really, I do go by my gut feeling a lot of the time, and, and my gut feeling. I spoke to my dad, I spoke to the other half, and Steph, and she was kind of look. It, it feels right, and you seem positive about it. And um, going in there, meeting the board and their ambitions and everything. Yeah, it just kind of felt right time to jump up and. I, I kind of went Maidstone uh, last Saturday when they won the league and then I went to Tunbridge and at St Albans and you kind of see the, the step up and the grounds and everything. It just made me want to be back at, at that sort of level minimum. I mean, my ambition is to get back into the National League eventually, but for me, it just felt the right step. And um, Yeah, so no, I was really impressed with what I had to say and hopefully I can carry on the good work that Mac has started. The hard work starts now. I presume seeing um, a level below, you must have seen some 
good players coming through, will you be looking to buy uh, bring in experienced players or players maybe on the up from lower leagues? You need a mixture. I've, I've, I've been on the phone all morning, so the, the retained list and the, the players leaving will go out today, so I've wasted no time in that. I think that's fair to the players. Um, I'm one of those, if I think a player's good enough, we'll take them. We signed a lad, Ben Ash from Tower Hamlets at Margate. He went on to play every game for me. We, uh, you look at Harrison Atfield there from Bearstead. So I'll look at levels. I think that maybe helped me in my application sort of thing or, or my my interview, should I say, um, for the job is that I, I, I like to think I've got a decent knowledge of football in the, in the sort of southeast area of players. And I'll bring in players that I think are good enough to help the club progress. Um, I think we need... We need a bit more youth around it, maybe a bit more legs um, and a few more goals. So it's exciting for me. I've got almost a clean slate, really, with, with everyone being out of contract. So it's, it's one that I can go in and actually really stamp my mark on it and, uh, and help the club progress. Um, and they're good. They seem good people. The support, I was really impressed with at St Albans. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's a big, big summer ahead, big, a lot of changes and things. But that's always going to be the case when you've had a manager there as long as, as obviously Macca was you know what I mean it's kind of everyone then getting used to how you work and how you want to do things so um, yeah it's, there's a lot, lot to go on behind the scenes Again can you allow to bring people like players in from Margate if they're available there's nothing stopping you doing that I suppose no, I, I saw that I, I spoke to um, to Ricky and I've spoke to Andy Jury uh, he's a good mate of mine we play and I'm delighted he's got the job um, and I'm sure he'll do well for Margate he's a he loves his football I'm sure he'll really give it his best shot so what I've kind of said is I gave my word to Ricky I said look I won't go trying to steal your players. That's that's not my style. Um, there's players there that I like. Obviously, signed them, but um, yeah, they're, they're, they're Margate players. And if any of them leave, then who knows? Andy might go in, and the players I like, he might not want. So we'll see what happens. At the moment, as I say, the current squad I've, I've released. Um, I've released the lads. I, I'm sort of not looking to keep at Tunbridge. And then we'll. Um, I'm having meetings Thursday with the, the current squad that I'd like to keep. Hopefully, we can get them tied up, and then after that, we'll. We'll kind of look at targets. What's, what's pleased me is I think jumping up a level is the, is the players that have been in touch, the agents that have suddenly got back in touch because you're up at that next league and location and everything. For me, again, it's what really attracted to me to the job and I'm, I'm generally excited um, and looking forward to it. Tunbridge, you say, you mentioned there, there Tommy Rorolo before as well, Steve McKim. So managers have got a history of staying a long time at a club and being successful. And I presume, what is the ambition? Is it playoffs next season or just to try and build, build on the success that Steve McKim's had? Yeah, you've got to build on. You've got to build. You can't just go, oh, yeah, playoffs, that's what we're doing. Because I think, um, I mean, what that again attracted me. Like, I, I've, I've been loyal in the management. I was at Maystone for a very long time. I've gone to Margate. I haven't had opportunities to jump ship. I haven't. So it's something when I go into a club, I'm not one of these managers and I, I wasn't like it's a player. I don't want to jump here, there and everywhere. I want to be there and really build something. Um, I think for us as a, as a team, obviously, finishing where they did in the league, we, we've got to look to improve on that. Um I've seen a lot of that level this season and I feel that we can get a squad together that can can compete well at that level but I won't put too much pressure on myself or on the club let's let's, let's get in let's make some signings um, have a really good pre-season and then, and then we'll see where the season takes us but like I say I, I've always backed myself that I can, I can do a good job and hopefully that'll be the case A brilliant interview that one Matt and I think a very very wise appointment for Tunbridge Angels yeah, I, I think um, I feel sorry for Steve McKim, um, but Jay Saunders, who knows this level, knows the level below, um, has had promotion from this division. And clearly the Tunbridge Angels with the new pitch coming on board, 
maybe a little bit more investment on the field as well. They feel he's the man to take them up. So he's a good manager, Jay Saunders, um, I think. And I think he's did a great job at Margate. I feel so sorry for Margate. As you said, I said in that interview, two steps forward and three steps back for them because, um, you know, I fancy them to do really well next season under Jay. They might well do when we speak when you speak to Andy Drew in a minute. But um just feel sorry for them. But it's it's a it's a wise appointment, I think, um, Tunbridge. Um, Jay Saunders. I think he again, I don't know if the three G surface, do you think that paid a part of him getting the job, how he used that to his advantage at, when he had it at Maidstone. So um I can't think that there's a manager in Kent who's managed more games on a three G surface. Yeah. So I think that's half the battle. Um, one of the reasons he may have got it, knows all about that surface. Again, a lot of teams in the Conference South have got it, so it's not a major advantage anymore, but that may have paid the part in it. Um, I think he's gone full-time, so uh, probably knows a lot of players from the levels below. I think Steve McKim knows a lot of players as well, but they just wanted to go in a different direction. Um, we thought there was a number of jobs who could have gone for it. I'm, I'm led to believe that Jamie Day was at the game on Saturday against Albans. I don't know if he was one of the other ones interviewed, but Jay's got the job. Um, and I could probably presume he's their number one target anyway. If they've asked permission for him to speak to him, um, he was their number one target and it's worked out pretty quickly. And we mentioned about what players are Maidstone going to sign. What players are Tunbridge going to sign then? I'm sure that Jay Saunders for a lot of players in Kent um, will be like to play for him. So, so Tunbridge Angels could be in for an interesting season next year as well. Yeah, they could. He, he did mention his uh, his retained list there and it, it was released uh, earlier on. So seven players have left uh, already announced. Um, and, and interesting, you want someone with with National League South experience, I suppose, if you're uh, if you're Tunbridge Angels and Jason was only managing it one season, but won the league. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's very, very interesting to that he's got the, the opportunity. I think he's a really, really good, uh, a solid appointment. It wasn't necessarily... One who I thought, oh, straight away he's going to be in the running because obviously we knew what a job he was doing at Margate. And, and as he said there, you know, everyone knows how much I love the club at Margate. I made more than 400 appearances for them. And, and I, I, I guess it kind of looked like, well, he's, he's there for the long haul. But when the opportunity comes up and you hear him speaking to speaking there saying, I live 15 minutes away. You know, it's a different level of football. I've, I've spoken to Steve McKim and he's given me his blessing and everything like that. And I, and I just think... It seems like the perfect fit. And it was very interesting. We said, you know, other clubs have come in for him and it hasn't felt right. But this time, Tunbridge Angels felt like the right move. And and I think it's the right move for Jay Saunders and it's probably the right move for Tunbridge Angels. You know, the, the Steve McKim thing, I think there were probably more people from outside of Tunbridge Angels more furious about that decision than people close to the club. Um, you know, I know you said you'd spoken to some people who who weren't necessarily shocked uh, by the news of Steve McKim's departure. And I've read other Tunbridge Angels fans saying, you know, I, I kind of can see that we maybe have come to the end of the line under him. Uh, and, and it's very, very interesting. But I, I guess that the Steve McKim area is over now. So we've all just got to focus on the Jay Saunders one. And as I said last week, we'll know next year whether it was the right decision or not. And, and I think they've made the first step that they've made is a very, very positive one. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, we mentioned before at Tunbridge, not a, a club that sacked managers. They've had two managers in the last space of 15 years. Um, have gone in a different direction. Um, 
And sometimes that's not a bad thing. You've got to feel for Steve McKim, who clearly thought he could help them up that division. And, and um, I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit to get back in again. But I think it's a wise appointment to bring Jay Saunders in. Again, he's been at Maystone for a number of years. I think, you know, Margate, Mar- Mar- what, three years? Um, he's got the opportunity there to, to put his, his stamp on it. And again, I'm really interested to see. We mentioned that Ben Swift was going to leave last week. Um, I was led to believe that maybe he was going to go to to Margaret to um, Tunbridge before Jason has left. Will will he end up there? Will he bring anybody else in from um, um, from from Maidstone from um, from Margate? And maybe some of the players that maybe leave Maidstone would they go back to uh, Tunbridge to Tunbridge as well? So I think there's an open few players out there that he probably knows all about that he can attract, and I'm sure it should be an exciting summer in the transfer market for them. Yes, it certainly will. Uh, Margate wasted no time in filling the vacancy left by Jay's exit by appointing Andy Drury. Uh, Andy Drury left Whitstable, where he'd been in charge for a couple of months, but was unable to keep them up, to move to Hartsdown Park. And earlier on today, I spoke to the new Margate manager, Andy Drury. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's obviously, obviously it is a big club. Um, Jay's done a good job there over the last couple of years. Um, got a good history about it. Um, and yeah. To me now to uh, to kick it on another level. It, it seemed to me that it all happened pretty quickly. Is, is that the case? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Jay, Jay got the uh, Tunbridge job, um, and yeah, I, I got the call from Margate after that, pretty much, and it was agreed pretty quickly um, Monday night, and then released quite quickly. So um, yeah, it was. It was Done really quickly. Obviously, you had that that, that spell at Whitstable, and and you were only there for a couple of months. I know you said that the damage was done before you got there, but I guess that that was a, a real learning curve for you, wasn't it? And you can build on that and, and take that into Margate. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I learned, learned, learned quite a bit in that spell. Um, I learned what you need to do to be successful, and what not to do to be unsuccessful. So. Um, it was, it was a good opportunity for me to come in there and try and save them from relegation. We come up just short. Um, but it's a learning curve and, and, and that's, that's part of life, really. And I'll take it into the Monday job. And um, hopefully we can uh, kick on to another level and have another successful season. Uh, I suppose the, 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 the good thing is, you obviously, you came into Whitstable, you didn't have a lot of time to bring any players in, whereas now you've kind of got a, a whole summer to start building a squad a, a, and be ready for August. Yeah, I've got six weeks now. I've, um, I've got straight to, straight down to work this morning. Um, so in pre-season now, speaking to players. So, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's full steam ahead. Um, and, yeah, um, we, we, we go and try and build a good team for, for Margate to be successful in their East Bend Prem. What would make a successful season next season for Margate? A uh, successful season will be pushing to be in around the playoffs if we can. Um, we'll have to be lucky with injuries and stuff, which every club does at that level, I think. Um, yeah, that'd be successful. Keep, keep the push, pushing the club in the right direction. See if we can improve on the eighth place that they had this year. I know you've already spoken to Jay, and I guess he's given you some advice. And I suppose, as you know him quite well, he'll always be on the end of the phone for you, will he? Yeah, I, I said openly, like Jay, Jay's done a done a really good job there. He's someone I've known for what going on twenty years now. So um, 
Yeah, if Jay, he's already said if I need any any advice or or anything I needed at the end of the phone. Um, hopefully, don't take too many of my players. But um, but yeah, he's um, he'd be there for me if if, if I do need anything. And obviously, Margate as a club, they've been up in the in the league above uh, in in the last ten years or so, and and there's so much potential there, and it's all just about everything coming together on and off the pitch at the same time. Yeah, it needs, it needs everything pulling in the in the same direction. Um, wasn't too long ago that Margate was actually in the Conference Premier anyway. I think their highest finish was eighth in that league as well. So it, it's a club ready to go. It just needs everyone pulling in the right direction. Fan, it's a big area. Um, so yeah, it's got it's got potential down here, uh, and now it's, it's falling on me to try and fulfil that potential over the next few years. And if there's any Margate fans listening, what can they expect from your team? Hard work, passion, and um, we'll be on the front foot, and we look to play good football and entertain them. Well, it all happened very very quickly. Then, Matt, I, I think it's a positive move to bring in a young manager who who tells me he wants to play football the right way. Yeah, um, I thought he was going to get the sitting board job, Andy Drury. Um, I don't know if it's a recommendation. He's got it from from Jay Saunders uh, going in. Clearly, Margate must have thought that Jay was going to take that job. Then they've moved quickly to get it. Andy Drury came across pretty well in his first few games at Whitstable. Probably left too much to do. He's gone in there. He was working. He was the assistant at Danny, for Danny Cadwell as well in that league his last season. He was, yeah. He was assistant to Danny Kedwell, player assistant, uh, uh, assistant manager for for a time as well. The only so thing he, know, that... he probably knows that he knows the level, knows people up and down the um, football pyramid again. So a wise appointment for Margate. Yeah, I think I think it's a wise appointment. I think it is a really good appointment, and and you know he he seems like a nice, affable chap and everything. The only thing that does strike me is, was that a too quick decision by Margate? Because if what these people are telling us is to be believed, you know, it, it all happened very, very quickly. So obviously, Margate will have known by the sounds of things at the back end of last week that Jay Saunders was in the running to be the new Tunbridge Angels manager. Uh, and I suppose they would have started to to look around. I just wonder if, if did they look too quickly? You know, were there other managers that they could have looked at and thought, actually, Let's give let's give them a go, or, or or do you think Andy Drew was just the the outstanding manager around the area that they thought they could they could bring straight in? Yeah, at one stage when I saw that Jay Saunders thought, oh maybe him and Steve McKim are going to do a job swap. Um, um, Steve McKim's got um, a spell at Margate as well. Um, was I surprised Andy Drew got the job? Probably yes. Um, uh, but again, when we interviewed him a few weeks ago, he said he'd been waiting for this moment for an opportunity. Uh, he did an okay job at Whitstable. It was a difficult job, though. Um, some good results, some not so good results, and it led to their relegation. So, again, if um, if you'd advertised for that job, I'm sure you'd have got plenty of applicants um, for the job. Because, Margate, if you can get them right off the field, if they can get their ground built up, if you can you know, do many things that probably should have happened over the last 15, 20 years, you can have a, a, a real big football club on their hands. But Maybe they just wanted to get get somebody in and just keep with the consistency there because Jay did such a good job. And I suppose the chance for, I suppose the problem is if you'd have left it manager for a while, players might have got, right, I've got to go, move on. But now the players will know where they stand. Will they stay with Andy Jury or move on? So, um, yeah, I, I think 
maybe he's done a. Yeah, um, I suppose in footballing circles, there's probably you know whispers going around. All oh, this guy deserves a chance, and maybe Margate of um, going to give him a chance. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a very it, fair it, point. If you had managed Whitstable and got the job, you'd probably be more shocked, wouldn't you? Because he was yeah, a coach I, as well. I think so, so. Yeah. Probably, he wasn't Folkestone as well. Maybe a recommendation came in from maybe Neil Cugley. Have a look at him. He knows, you know, you know. So clearly he knows his level, which is probably one of the um, reasons they've got him in. Um, so he knows how to succeed. So, it, it, you know, he's played at a very high level, National League. Um, I think he'll have so, so he knows, he knows where, knows his level over the last couple of years, which probably helps him. You know, he knows the level. He's 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 played in the football league. He's, he's yeah. experienced. He's from Kent as well. Um, you know, I think it's uh, I think he's, he's that, local, isn't he? I think he lives in Sittingbourne, doesn't he? Still, so around that way. So yeah, it's it's a it's a a good situation for him. Good opportunity for him. So I thought Margate would be one of the sides next season if they still had Jay Saunders, who could be challenging for the playoffs or to get promoted. Will that stay under an injury? We'll have to wait and see because the other thing, Margate fans who've been, you know, delighted that Jay's got a new job, but you've got to be concerned that some of the, Andy Jury's job now is to try and keep some of those players because I'm sure Jay Saunders will be interested in at least a three or four to take up with him to, to Tunbridge. We did say there, didn't we? I hope he doesn't steal too many of my players. And yeah. and if you're a Margate fan and you're thinking, well, this fella's only had one managerial job before and it ended in relegation. Well, you know, I did kind of touch on it there as well. But he said the damage was done when he got in there. He took over a team that were dead and buried, actually. And we did say on this show that they did incredibly well to even take it to the last game. Yeah, It, it didn't pan out for them on the final day uh, was they lost at home to Lansing. But he did... He did what he could with with quite limited resources, I think, at um, at Whitstable, and I think it's a positive. I do think it's a really, really positive appointment. He's someone who has managed a little bit, but he's got loads and loads of experience, and you know he's only thirty eight as well, so he's he's going to be young. Yeah, he might make mistakes at the start, but I think he'll get there, and I think he's so determined to, to do well. And I think he's one of those he's one of those people that will get the best out of his players by saying, "Well, you know, I know all about it, so listen to me. I, I, I can help you out. I can guide you on the right path." And, and you know, as someone who made what 100 appearances for Sittingbourne, 100 appearances for, for Gravesend and Northfleet as they were, and then ended up playing in the football league, if you're a young player and you're looking for a club and you think you want a manager who, who knows what it's all about to be in non-league and get into the football league. Margaret's going to be a very, very interesting proposal, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. Um, as he said, he's 38, he's been waiting for this moment and he's got a good club there. Arguably, Margate should be Conference, conference South. That should be their level if they can sort out their problems off the field. But yeah, it's it's a bold approach. Good luck to them and fingers crossed, hope it works out for them. And for yeah. Andy as well, because, you know, he's been at Cray, you know, had a few clubs last year, starting at Cray, Folkestone, uh, Whitstable. So, the time is now just to right settle down. Maybe Margate will, might not be as successful unless what you can do. But just got to carry that on. They were doing well. Just carry that trend on. I think it's important that they make a, a good start. Yeah. I think that would be the the, the key thing. Uh, if they if they start the, the the season well, then people will get behind them and they'll just go and go and go. And and it's exciting for Andy Drury to be coming in 
uh, and be able to bring these players in uh, and and see how he goes. And it'll be interesting to see how their squad shapes up, just like everybody else's uh, over the coming months. Uh, managers really have been coming and going over the past week. Neil Smith has been confirmed as Cray Wanderer's permanent manager, the formerly Bromley boss becoming the first full-time boss in their history. Uh, in the scaffold, Tony Beckingham has been named as new boss at Irith and Belvedere, with Tony Cornwell and friend of the show, Andy Constable, his assistants. There was also a surprise exit at Sittingbourne, where Darren Blackburn was sacked, despite leading the club to a solid finish at the end of the season. Sittingbourne now seeking applicants for the job, so we shall see who will be there in place of Darren who I was very, very disappointed to leave in the manner that he did. Uh, Sittingbourne and Whitstable, Matt, two jobs which are available and probably both appealing in their own way. Yes, I would have thought um, people will be looking at those jobs. Whitstable, probably going to be want to be one of the favourites to get out for the scaffold. Well, Sittingbourne had, had a really good end of the season from last season and, and, and probably overachieved himself. So interesting to see who goes in there. Will it be people from maybe managers who managing the scaffold and thinking, right, we can um, move to a so-called bigger club. I'll wait to see those appointments, John. I'm sure there's plenty of rumours going around who's going to get those gigs. Yes, absolutely. Well, I've been having plenty of conversations myself, but no one seems to know uh, actually that much about who's going to end up where. Um, so we shall see what happens over the course of the coming weeks or, or months. But as we said with Margate there, it's important that you make a quick decision because you want to keep your best players and you, and you want to give your manager time to, to build a squad. And I thought that was an interesting point that Andy Drew made. You know, I've got six weeks now before pre-season. I've already started sorting out when we're going to be playing our pre-season friendlies, what we're going to be doing, when the training's going to start. And I think that's absolutely vital because you want to hit the ground running and, you know, you're not going to be the only team that's got a new manager, a new squad or anything like that. But it's important that when the season starts, some are starting in July, some are starting in August, but it's important that when those season starts, you are ready to go. Uh, there was also a game in the National League at the weekend and Dover Athletic are finally on positive points. They came from 1-0 and then 2-1 down very, very late on to draw at Bromley. Uh, late, late leveller. Here's Bromley boss Andy Woodman speaking to Matt after the game. Yeah, people not doing their jobs, you know. Uh, we all know their roles at set pieces. We set them up. Everyone knows who they're marking. And uh, yeah, one of the players doesn't stay with his marker, and uh, that that's unacceptable. You're forming uh, 2022 after January has tailed off a little bit. What, what's the feeling is about regarding that? Is um, I just think, uh, to be honest with you, I, I think there's. There's a, there's a culmination of a few things. Um, we we stopped, obviously stopped, stopped scoring goals via Cheeky uh, and we've had a couple of injuries that have hurt us uh, in that period and we just haven't really got going. Listen, uh, from from just recently, you know, our focus has now been this final and, and why shouldn't it be? We're not going to make the playoffs, we knew that. So we've got to make sure we get all of our players up to speed, the ones that are coming back from injury up to speed and it's going to, you know, make, make, make performances a little bit tricky at the moment because players are coming back from injury. I mean, the real plus that we should probably talk about is Harry Foster today. He's been out for a long while and I thought he was, uh, he was a real plus of the game and, and that's what we've got to use these games for. People don't want to hear that. I get that. They want to come and see their team win. But I have to, I have to be mindful that if we win at Wembley, then that's a that's a fantastic result, and uh, that might appease appease a few people, and it'll certainly make me happy. You look at it now. You've got two more games to play. Will everybody in the squad get a chance to try and impress you before Wembley? No, I'll only get a bit of the team that uh, I think is going to be right at it now. Uh, I haven't decided who's playing. Today's given me a few things to think about, um, but I'll, I'll be I'll be making sure that we're, we're starting to you know batten down the hatches now and know that what we're going to do and how we're going to go about it. Everyone's had their chance now, uh, and I don't think I don't think there's a player in that uh, in that dressing room that can knock on the door if they're not involved. 
you look at the season at the start of the season if I said to you you'd be in the trophy final but miss out on the playoffs would you have taken that or would you have rather be in the playoff mix like in the last season no our, our goal was always the playoffs you know I'd be I'd be lying if I said otherwise um, but I think we've got to put things in con- into context here and I say this you know not not as a, an excuse you look at all those teams in the playoffs <laughs> they're all league massive clubs, clubs. they're all, all league clubs and, they're, and they're, they've got massive budgets I mean Andy Hessen's kind of probably tear the same. I bet his budget's less than ours. I, I think the the gulf between those top teams in the in the top six and seven, and our budget is a million miles away. And I think anyone that thinks well, it's only eleven versus eleven, is crackers. It's uh, you know someone a team that could go out and buy a striker in this league for three hundred grand, and people are moaning that we can't compete with them or we've dropped out. I think <laughs> I think you've got to be a bit realistic and. <laughs> You know, it's like it's like saying that Norwich should be competing with Man City. It doesn't happen. This, you know, and that's the facts of it. That said, we've had a real good go, and we 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 was up there, and then and then you know we didn't probably strengthen like we should have or could have, um, and we had to work within our boundaries, and that's what we did, and, and this is the result of that. Next season, you have to try and do it again, then, isn't it? Try and compete. Yeah, it's the name of the game. Uh, that's the name of the game. You know, that's that's what we do. I mean, we all hope we have a season like Saturday, and we're all clinging on to that. Um, and, and fair play to Sutton they, they got out of this league you know probably just at the right time when there, there wasn't the riches in here uh, and, and there was no crowds so that worked for them it's a, I think it's a different ballpark this league and I think it's only going to get stronger I really do so uh, we either go with the big guns or we just uh, we, we just try battle our way through it like we're going to do Another good chat that one Matt and interesting to hear his thoughts on the playoff picture and, and just how hard it is for a club like Bromley to compete Yeah it was quite um Interesting what he said there. Was it? It wasn't a sort of shout out to the chairman, right? We can come and you know, basically tread water for the next few seasons, stay there, or do we try and go for it and try and get promoted? The infrastructure probably is absolutely first class there. You know, completely changed since the, the years I've been going. What the what the club is is like with the brilliant bars, the screens, the um, hospitality. So you can see they're off the field, they're football league based, but now would they need that little bit of investment to try and get them into the football league? Um, I see they're playing this evening and they've only got a crowd of a thousand. I know it's a Tuesday night. Um, from there, there's not much to play with, but you just got to look to see how can they achieve it. And as he said, everybody wants to do a Sutton, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. They are winning that game at the moment at home to Altrincham uh, by a goal to nil scored by Mason Bloomfield. But it, it is interesting because, you know, Bromley, you do look at the National League table, uh, which I have in front of me, Bromley currently 10th. And there are only three teams in the top 13 that have never played in the Football League. So that just goes to show how difficult it is. I mean, you've got Wrexham, Stockport, Halifax, Notts County, Grimsby, Chesterfield, Dagenham, Redbridge. Torquay, Southend and Yeovil all in that thing. And some of those clubs have played in the Championship in the last 15 years. And that just goes, just goes to show what, what they're up against and why it's so difficult for, for teams to compete and, and break into that. Uh, and it does just it does just make it really, really hard, doesn't it, for, for teams like Bromley, who are, as much as we love them, they will look unfashionable to, to other clubs, to, to, to players and other clubs. You know, it's... They still will have when they play your Notts Counties and your Chesterfields and your Wrexhams that little old Bromley sort of feel about them, even though that's far, far from the truth. Uh, and and 
to, to even compete as they did and reach the playoffs last season and get to the FA Trophy final again this season does just show that Bromley are are doing very, very well. It's just how they get that next step, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, and that is going to be a tough step. And I think there is a sort of that you've got the loyal Bromley fans who've been there when they've been in the Isthmian South, Southern Division, etc., like that, you know, and know thing. But Bromley have got a lot of new supporters recently who've been buoyed by their success and they're, and they're wanting them to do right. We're just going, we should be going up. We should be looking to get into the information. And, they, and arguably at Christmas time, it was looking good for them. Maybe run out of gas, maybe the strength of the, of the strength in depth let them down. So you feel at the moment, as long as the, um, the money's splashing around this league, it's going to be very difficult for somebody to, to, to do a Sutton and maybe a Harrogate and maybe they got out at the right time. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer. I think thinking about it, it'll be a bit of an overhaul of the squad. Again, players going, moving around. The quality of the signings is key in this division. If you can bring players in, you have to pay the wages, you can be successful. But I think the chairman there has done the right thing. He's got the infrastructure right off the pitch. And now if you can bring the money in off the pitch, you might be able to strengthen it on the pitch. So the, the, the circle can complete itself. But it's going to be tough. Um, as I said, from a Kent point of view, I can only see Maidstone because they get the gates. Um, um, can only support a football league club. But strange things have happened. If Bromley can do it themselves. I mean, you see what Sutton getting. Sutton used to get seven, eight hundred in the national league, and now they get two and a half thousand. So you can do it um, if your infrastructure is right off the pitch, which Bromley have got and Maidstone have got. Yeah, are Maidstone and Bromley going to be the only two 3G pitches in the national league next season? Yeah, I was thinking that. There's a lot in the south, isn't there? Um, there's not. I think I think Bromley's must be the only one at the moment in the division. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. So yeah, so 3G surfaces. And again, I, I'm sure. Again, we didn't ask Oliver Ash if Maystone won the league, would they rip the pitch up? Of course they would. And I'm sure Bromley would do exactly the same. I did tweet this morning saying that uh, after the Queen's speech, where they were talking about the the reforms in football, and he did say along the lines of, you know, well, if football's going to be truly turned round then 3G pitches have got to be allowed in the Football League. And it was shocking that Sutton and Harrogate were doing so well with them and both had to rip them up. Yeah, I, I, I fully understand that. Um, but I think if the op like Sutton would, would never said they were never going to rip it up and say to Harrogate, and they would rip it up. And the Maystone fans would expect them to miss that. But you're not going to turn down where Maystone should be in the Football League or some of their fans who've seen them in the Football League do it again. So, um, yeah. I'm hoping at some point, as you can see, you know, how many in, are in Kent now and how many from the Conference South, conference National down, there must be, you know, maybe 30, 40 percent in the feeder leagues with, with, with a 3G pitch. So clearly it, it's only going to get even more. Yes, it is. The final games of the season, uh, Sunday, 3pm kickoffs, Barnet against Bromley. And as Matt has already said at the top of the show, the mouthwatering prospect of Dover Athletic against Weymouth uh, at Crabble. Um, I suppose, actually, Matt, we've, we've kind of glossed over the fact, but you've got a point and you've now got one point. You'll never be the team that finished with no point. So th- these are all positive signs to end the season. And you know, to come back from behind twice and, and grab a, a late equaliser, that's got to have have cheered everybody up in your final away game in the National League? Well, I think I, I think it was um, the first, like, first time I can actually think we'd scored a really late, late goal in a game, which is quite surprising. I can't think as we've conceded so many in the 90th minute. 
from that. So that was quite again. Optimism is high, John. I was looking at Weymouth today. Fourteen games since they last won away. Fifteen games since they last won a game. Surely, it's now for us. Not, we might as well go for it, isn't it? End the season. I'm beaten in two. We're never going to have a better chance. And of course, the other thing is we don't want to lose to Weymouth because Weymouth we drew at their place. They were they were the only side we c- couldn't beat us if we d- avoid defeat in the whole division. And of course, if if you beat them as well, that's a psychological boost oh, ahead next of next season, season isn't it? When you play them next season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we we laugh at them saying we were so bad you couldn't even get beat us. So yes, when we play them in the playoff final. Next year, John. Calm down. Something else, I'm getting excited. Yeah. Nurse, I'm, nurse. I'm, I'm late, I'm late, goal, mate. Honestly, honestly, that was a good. I quite enjoyed. I drove home with a smile on my face, and I've oh, done that about no once all season in the thirty odd games I've seen. So that cheered me up, anyway. Fantastic. Uh, one more bit of football news for you: the Kent Senior Cup final, which it was <laughs> widely expected would be played next season. Folkestone oh. against Dartford. Folkestone's players have all cleared off uh, and and finished their season. And then today, Tuesday the 10th, they were told that the Kent Senior Cup final is going to be played on Tuesday the 17th of May between Folkestone and the Dartford side who are playing a, potentially playing a National League South semi-final clash on Sunday. I mean, we've spoken before about the Kent Senior Cup and and where it fits in. Where they play it, Maidstone. It's being played at Chatham at the at the Beauville Stadium uh, at, at Maidstone Road. Uh, that one, Matt. Um, we we talk a lot about this competition, uh, and you know I don't think this has really helped anybody playing it at such short notice. Uh, team one team that finished their season two and two and a half weeks beforehand, another team that still could be potentially preparing for a final of the playoffs, and in the middle of it they've got this. Kent Senior Cup final. I've said before that I think this competition should be a pre-season tournament and I can't understand why this final is not being played as a pre-season friendly two weeks before the start of the season rather than, you know, Folkestone, Folkestone's players are often probably on the beach already. They've had a long season themselves and then now they've all got to come back and play one more game. It, it just doesn't sit right with me, Matt. I tell you, folks aren't particularly happy about this, are they? Well, the tweet that I saw from uh, the club's press officer on, he just said, uh, I've spoken to the manager for his thoughts on it. He just said, no comment. Uh, So you can imagine, yeah, they're not going to be best pleased, are they? No, I think, um, yeah, (laughs) I don't understand. Again, if Dartford lose to Epstein on Monday, Sunday, or lose to Chippenham, they're hardly going to be up for that for a game as well. So it used to be the, the big day out for, for football fans in Kent. Clearly, um, <laughs> yeah, no idea why they're doing that. Put it back in. Yeah, I don't know who makes the decision to this. I really don't. No, I think that's where we should probably leave it, but it doesn't uh, make a big ton of sense to me either. Uh, that's pretty much it. I think we've managed to cover pretty much everything over the last, uh, well, 50 minutes of us talking, plus we put all the interviews in. So it's going to be a long one, this one. But uh, I think we've covered everything. And, and we were just discussing before, we're going to do two more shows, uh, one next week 
probably to dissect the Kent Senior Cup final <laughs> uh, and potentially the Ebbsfleet against Dartford game. Look ahead to, to uh, Bromley going to Wembley. We'll do one more after that uh, FA Trophy final and the, the National League South playoff final. And then we can just kind of sit back, assess where everything's all gone over the past uh, year. And then, do you know what? We're going to be doing what the folks and players have probably been doing for the last couple of weeks and just relaxing and not even thinking about football. Uh, but yeah, so two more weeks uh, of us. Um I suppose we better think about what what we're going to do without the the podcast, Matt. I mean, plenty of football to watch, uh, plenty of TV to watch, plenty of football still going on. We've got all the European finals and everything uh, ahead of us. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be it's going to be nice to have a bit of a break, isn't it? Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to the end of um, Sunday afternoon. Um, it'd be great. It will cheer me up if David get results. So just to end football for a bit. It's been a long. Well, it's been a long nine months and long time for the pod because we didn't have that much of a break last season, did we? So break to refresh all our um, ideas and enjoy the summer um, from there. But yeah, it's it's been a long, hard season. And, and I feel so long, hard season for me. Long, hard season for those folks and players who've got that text saying, so, lads, make sure you're available next week. And I'm sure Let's get of, the gang back together. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them just left the WhatsApp group for that, I expect. So I'm coming back after that. So yeah, yeah. yeah just been not. Yeah, we'll do a couple more have a break and then uh, we'll go again we'll go bigger and better as they say absolutely oh, well thank you everybody for listening to this week's show and thanks to all of our guests I mean it was a bit of a uh, a, a bit of a rush to get these... about, we thought it would be about 10 minutes this week but it's going to be one of the longest ones we've ever done absolutely it was a bit of a you know trying to fit these interviews in and speaking to people and, and everything like that but thank you uh, to all five of them in the end for their time uh, and we're delighted to be able to bring you those uh, th- those stories and, and, and the interviews which are I think they're fantastically entertaining as well but then I would say that because I'm biased um, you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast you can find us on Facebook search for Kent Nolly Podcast I'm at John Phipps 81 Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard uh, we hope everybody has a lovely weekend stay safe out there whatever you're doing and we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Nolly Podcast and enjoy the Kent Senior we'll have to record it at least we'll have to record it after the Kent Senior Cup we can't miss out on that massive game. So, yeah, enjoy that if you go in there. But enjoy the final week of the season and good luck for our sides in the playoffs.